today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. Earlier this week, uh, we talked about a BDO report that said that two in five people have worse finances now than before the pandemic. Not really surprising. Uh, but that wasn't the only piece of financial news that's come out this week. Uh, Gen Z are, are close to insolvency, a number of them, a really high percentage of them, uh, because of what they call the K-shaped recovery that seems to be occurring in Canada right now. So where are you on that spectrum? Uh, are you in deeper trouble? Because there are some people that actually have come out of this pretty well so far, financially, anyway. Joining us to talk about this is uh, Doug Hoyes, uh, with, of course, Hoyes, Michaelis & Associates. Uh, Doug, always a pleasure to have you on the program. Hope you're doing well these days. I am. Thanks for having me, Bill. Good to have you back again. Let's talk a little bit about this and the, the, the financial crisis. We've talked about how this is impacting businesses, of course, and, and I know governments have paid an awful lot of attention to that. But what about independently? Uh, you, me, individuals, our household expenses, our personal expenses. Uh, the, the stuff I've seen on this so far, Doug, seems to indicate that uh, where you fall on that spectrum whether, as to whether or not you're a winner or a loser oftentimes depends on, on your, your demographic, how old you are. Yeah, that's certainly true. That's certainly a big factor. I mean, it kind of makes sense. If you're a young person, you, you know, perhaps you're a recent school graduate, you're in your, your mid-20s, so you're probably carrying student loan debt. You're probably not the president of the corporation you're working for. So when COVID-19 hit and there was a lockdown, you were probably the first person to get locked or get laid off. You didn't have seniority. Maybe you're working in the gig economy doing many different jobs. And certainly if you were a server at a restaurant or working at a gym or hair salon or something like that, then you were, again, very heavily impacted by this. As compared to somebody who perhaps is older, working in an office job, been there for many years, much easier then for the company to say, well, we're going to redeploy you to home and you end up being potentially a winner as a result of all this because now you're not driving into the office, you're not paying for parking, buying lunch, you don't have to pay for daycare, at least you didn't for a few months there while your, your kids were home, so you ended up winning. Now, that's not just an age thing. I think it has to do with the job you work at, too. There's a lot of people who work in construction doing home renovations who've been very busy, and it doesn't matter what age they were, but certainly age was a factor in determining who came out on top over the the last few months that's an interesting kind of i want to get your read on that because i saw those statistics as well that uh as you say there are some winners in this uh i, I mentioned on the program a couple of weeks ago i mean obviously i'm not going back and forth to work i've been working out of the house since march uh, i got a couple of extra bucks in my pocket you know and not, it's not enough to you know you know, retire the national debt or anything like that. But uh, I guess the temptation in a situation like Doug is, well, maybe this is time for me to do that project I've always wanted to do or get somebody to do it for me. So you're reaching out to contractors, and I've talked to people in that industry, and they, you're right, they're very busy, which would seem to be rather unusual given the fact that, you know, there's, there's been an economic slowdown going on. That's right. But if you are working from home and you know you're going to be working from home perhaps for the foreseeable future, it's like, wow, I'm staring at these same four walls every day. Maybe now's the time to fix up the basement so I can have a proper office down there. Maybe I'll fix up the kitchen because I'm making my lunch there all the time now. Um, you know, when the weather gets good again, maybe I want to put a deck in, put a pool in, that sort of thing. So if you're one of the ones who benefited from working from home for all the reasons I, I just said, and you also now have perhaps a more pressing need to do something, you're the one who's reaching out to the contractors. And from what I understand, it's very difficult right now to get a good contractor to even return your call because they're all wickedly busy. And 
go to the lumber yard and see what a two by four costs these days compared to what it cost <laughs> a year or two ago. Th- those costs have certainly gone up a lot too. So in those industries, those people have potentially benefited from what's happened over the last few months. Why is the real estate market so high? Again, people are trying to hold on to their money. There's, let's face it, a lot of uncertainty right now about employment, about you know whether or not you're going to be having a job or a paycheck. Yet I, I've talked to real estate agents here in London. Uh, I've got friends up in the real estate business up in Collingwood, Blue Mountain, and they said the, the market is red hot right now. That's that's the biggest purchase anybody's ever going to make. You'd think that you'd, you'd wait for good times, not uncertain times, to make a purchase like that. Well, the people who are making the purchases are the same people who are able to afford a contractor to come and do a renovation on their house. So the the real estate market, it's not one big thing. It's many different pockets. So if you're standing in downtown Toronto right now looking at condos, I'll tell you the real estate market there is not booming. The condo market in downtown Toronto has basically collapsed because – Nobody wants to live in downtown Toronto if I'm working remotely. Like, I don't want to sit in a 500-square-foot room all day long. I might as well go out to Hamilton or London or Collingwood or somewhere where there's more space and rents are cheaper. So, and of course, Airbnb has basically disappeared as well in downtown Toronto. No one's traveling. No one's renting a condo down there. So those prices have collapsed. But anything outside of the city core, and it doesn't really matter what city you're talking about, the prices have gone up because, hey, I'd much rather work in, you know, to use your example, Collingwood than I would in downtown Toronto. So certain pockets have done very well, again, for the same reason. If you can work from home, there's a big benefit to having a a nice place to work from. Is it because we're, I mean, the people that are spending them, let's face it, not everybody is rife with cash right now, but uh, but there seems to be almost an attitude now that we don't fear debt as much as we probably should in situations like this, that, well, so what if the mortgage is huge? You know, I'm, I'm going to be fine. Uh, we want to get that second property or we want to do that renovation. Uh, I, I know that 25, 30 years ago, that would have been the minority opinion, but we, we don't seem to, to, to fear debt the way that we probably should or used to anyway. That's true, and one of the reasons for that is the interest rate, because I remember 30 years ago, Mm -hmm. that's when I bought my first place too, and I'm pretty sure the interest rate was something like 13 and a quarter percent on my mortgage. And now, of course, interest rates on a mortgage are, you know, well, take the one out of of the front, right? It's like 3% if you got really good credit or 4%. So the carrying costs of a million-dollar mortgage are much less than the carrying costs of a $500,000 mortgage would have been a couple of decades ago. So I can buy more and my carrying cost is that much less. The other factor is in the places that you mentioned, real estate keeps going up. It's like the perfect investment, right? Real estate never goes down. It always goes up. So I might as well buy the biggest place I can afford. If I've got good credit, I can qualify for the mortgage. The servicing costs are low. What's to go wrong? Well, what can go wrong is exactly what's happening in the condo market in downtown Toronto. Prices can certainly go down just as easily as they go up. So if you're buying that place on the outskirts of town, you know, overlooking the escarpment or wherever it is, what happens when we have a vaccine and everyone's back to work and everyone's now back to working downtown, downtown Toronto, wherever it is, 
do downtown prices go up and suburban prices then go down? I have no idea. I can't see the future. If I did, I'd give you all the lottery numbers, Bill. But <laughs> it, you cannot guarantee that prices are going to go up forever. So I think we should be very cautious taking on any more debt than we need to. We're kind of standing at the edge of the cliff, though, a lot of us financially, aren't we? Uh, the survey I saw here the other day, uh, nearly half of Canadian households, this is low income, 47%, said they're $200 or less away from insolvency uh, as of the third quarter. I mean, the pandemic has hit a lot of people pretty hard financially. Yes, it has. And I mean, that's a statistic that's kind of a headliney, clickbaity type statistic. There's no way that half of Canadians are $200 away from insolvency. Insolvency means I'm going to go bankrupt or file a consumer proposal. Well, okay, maybe there will be 100 or 150,000 people in Canada filing a bankruptcy or consumer proposal this year. There will not be 15 million, which is what 50% means. But I understand the point. The point is, yes, we are staring over the cliff, and all it takes is one little thing to go wrong in my individual life, and I could be experiencing a lot of problems. And, and people now understand this, because if I was a chef at the best restaurant in town for 20 years making really good money, the pandemic hit, boom, my restaurant's closed, and I went from having a good income to zero instantly. And that's never happened. There's a lot of people who were never unemployed for 20 years, and now all of a sudden they can't find a job. You got to ask yourself, you got to stress test your own situation. So, okay, things are going okay for me now. What happens if there's a change? I lose my job. I get sick. I get divorced. How much debt am I carrying? Could I still carry it if my income got cut in half? And if the answer is, well, no, there's no way I could, then you've probably got too much debt. And if you are doing well now, use this as the opportunity to take steps to reduce that debt so you've got a lot more flexibility in the future if for some reason your income is affected. Well, and that's one of those situations, I guess, this false sense of security a lot of us had. And you and I have had this discussion in the past. Uh, interest rates are low, and, the, and we always say, yeah, but you know what? They might go up, and they haven't for years now for a variety of different reasons. For at least the last six or seven years, things have been relatively stable. So I guess that gives us this false sense of security. But who saw a pandemic coming? I mean, your example about the, the you know, a, a master chef at a great restaurant. I'm going to be employed for life. I mean, I'm great at what I do. Who knew they were going to shut restaurants down? Uh, you know, that's that's the sort of thing you just don't see coming around the corner. Yeah, and everything is the same until it isn't. So yeah. <laughs> what happens if they figure out how to do these self-driving car things? You know, well, then all of a sudden, I guess, nobody will be a taxi driver, an Uber driver, or a truck driver. Now, I don't think that's going to happen tomorrow. I don't know. I'm not a scientist. But what if? And I think we all believe that whatever the world looked like yesterday is what it will look like tomorrow. So if I've had this same job for 20 years, I'll have it for another 20 years. Well, no, that's not the way it works. Things can change very quickly, as we all discovered in March of this year. And so you've got to, you can't just rely on the way things have always been. And that's why I always default to, well, you know what? You are more free, you are more flexible the less debt you have. Because if you have no debt, I mean, if you own a house that doesn't have a mortgage on it, then you lose your job. Well, you don't have to worry about mortgage payments. You're a lot more able to weather the storm. If you are living in reasonably priced accommodation, if you're not making any payments on your credit cards every month and you lose your job, it's not as big a crisis because you don't have the debt to service in addition to paying all your living expenses. And you're right. We've gotten used to debt 
And I think a lot of people have realized, well, maybe debt has some good things when you're buying, but when you've got to pay it back, it's a problem. And, and guess what? The month of October is when all the deferral periods ended. So people yeah. who had deferred their mortgage payments, and there was something like a billion dollars a month worth of mortgage payments deferred in Canada, now they're having to pay them again. Same with credit card deferrals, auto loan deferrals, and so on. And people are finding out, oh, what that deferral means is my monthly payment is now higher going forward because of all the interest I didn't pay for the last six months. So again, it's great while it lasts, but when you have to start paying the piper, more debt is not good. So people in that circumstance, and you're right, I mean, for some people they're treading water and then all of a sudden this reality hits them and now they're, they're, they're starting to sink. Are we savvy enough, Doug, to reach out to, well, people like yourself and say, look, I need some help here, I need some advice? I mean, I, you know, it's, it's, is it a matter of pride sometimes? I mean, it, it, this is getting to the point right now where you're looking at this as like, I, you may not be qualified to be able to get yourself out of this. You're going to need some, some professional advice. Yeah, and there's usually not a downside to professional advice. I mean, if you've got a medical condition, you should probably talk to a doctor. Maybe it's nothing. Maybe you can solve it on your own. Maybe it's no big deal. But why would you not reach out to find out if it's something more serious? And it's the same with debt problems. Well, by law, if you call a licensed insolvency trustee, such as my firm, Hoys Michaelis, we are not allowed to charge you an upfront fee. We cannot charge you a penny until you actually start the process with us, until the documents have actually been filed. So there is literally zero risk to talking to a licensed insolvency trustee. And, of course, we're doing everything over the phone or video conference now, so you don't even have to come into our office if you don't want to. And we can walk you through what your situation is. Here's the options. And then you can go off and do some further research, decide what you want to do. For a lot of people, doing something now is setting themselves up for the future. So, okay, I'm in a bit of a tough situation now, but maybe I do my consumer proposal now, make a deal with the people I owe money to on a basis that I can actually afford now, and then if next year things are more back to normal, I'm in great shape because I've already got a deal in place that I can afford, and I'm not looking over my shoulder as to whether or not I'm going to be able to repay these debts. So debt does not go away on its own. Compound interest works both ways. If you've got money invested, it's great, but if you owe money, you're just digging yourself deeper and deeper into a hole. So the sooner you can jump out of the hole, the better. I know I had a friend years ago, and I, t I said that was the conversation I had with him. I said, "Not opening the visa bill doesn't make it go away. Uh, you know, th those numbers add up. You got to address yep. that at some point in the future." Uh, but with that, I, I mean, you, all the years you've been doing this, though, Doug, is, is there a, a situation where you can say, I'm "Sorry, buddy, we can't help you"? Is, there's always a solution somewhere, in some way, isn't there? There is always something that can be done. Now, maybe I'm not the solution. So sometimes people come to me and I say, well, wait a minute, you've got a house that has lots of equity in it. You know, let's talk to a mortgage broker. Maybe you can refinance the house, pay off the credit card, you're good to go. Maybe your problem is you haven't filed your taxes for a few years. Okay, so let's get you in touch with a tax accountant who can help you get all the taxes prepared. Maybe the problem isn't anywhere near as serious as you, you thought it was. I talked to one guy a few weeks ago who hadn't filed his taxes for years, and he thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to owe so much money. Well, it turned out because he'd been an employee, he was paying taxes all, all along, and the government actually owed him money. So he didn't need to go bankrupt with me, but again, by talking to me, I was able to put in touch with him with someone who can help him. So I think you start with the professional. It's the same with your doctor. It's not like you go to your GP and they're going to start doing surgery on you. I mean, they're going to refer you to the appropriate professional as needed, but you got to take that first step 
because debt is not going to go away on its own. And, you know, that's that's the whole point of being a licensed insolvency trustee. We can take a look at the whole situation and come up with solutions for you, many of which don't, in, don't even involve us, but then at least you're on the right track. I think 2020 is the year that, okay, we're all going to forget you know, it's a write-off, that's the way it is, but what can we do to set ourselves up for 2021, which almost certainly will be better? The things you do over the next two or three months will set you up, hopefully, for a really good next year. If you have to go through that process, and, and like I say, we, I, I, I take the, the statistics here too, Doug, with a grain of salt, but if there are people that are, like say, at that edge of that cliff and, and staring at insolvency or potential insolvency, if they have to go down that route, how do they look coming out the other end? Well, it depends on what their situation is coming out the other end. So I talked to a lady yesterday who said, well, you know, I'd like to be buying a house at some point in the future, but I got all this debt now. So I said, okay, you've got a decent job now, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to file a consumer proposal, deal with all the debt, and hopefully your income is going to be increasing. You can probably get the proposal paid off in a year or two, even though we set them all up as five-year terms to begin with, but you can pay it off quicker. As soon as you've paid it off, you start saving money. You can throw money into your RRSP, use that money as part of the new homebuyers program towards that future down payment. If you have a good job, decent income, a down payment, then yes, you can buy a house in the future. Not tomorrow. I mean, this, this is going to take a period of time, but it is not a life sentence. Whereas if you keep the debt that you've got, all you're doing is making the minimum payments. Ten years from now, you will owe just as much as you owe now. So you will actually be better off, in most cases, by going through a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal to officially wipe out the debt because it's the debt that's holding you down. So sure, maybe for a year or two, your credit rating takes a little bit of a hit, drops a few points, but coming out the other end, I see it all the time, you've actually got a higher credit score, you've got a down payment, you've got savings, you're in a much better position to do what you want to do in the future. Which is why I don't understand why people don't make that phone call or knock on that door, and uh, because you need to find out what the options are. Most of us just are not that financially savvy to do that. Uh, Doug, always enlightening. Thanks so much for the time today. Appreciate it. Great to be with you, Bill. Thanks. Take care. Doug Hoyes, of course, from Hoyes, Michaels & Associates. Uh, and if you're in debt, uh, reach out to somebody. I know it's, it's a pretty lonely time when you figure, where do I do next? There are people that do have some options for you. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.